Embody respectfully acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pays respects to elders past and present. Welcome to Mission Unplugged, genuine conversations about Christian faith in action with young innovators locally, nationally, and globally. And today you're here with me, Mitch, and Emily. Hey, y'all. And we are going to be talking about wash and hygiene and uh, water because it's Safe Water September time. The Safe Water September Challenge has launched and we are coming together as a national community to raise funds for safe water projects in Zimbabwe, Vanuatu, and Bangladesh. Um, so if you'd like to find out a bit more about the challenge and sign up, you can head to safewatersupember.org.au. This is a bonus episode of the podcast, so we don't have our normal uh, guest and interview. What we have is Emily taking us through a bit of background and a bit of information about the wild world of WASH. So W, uh, capital W, lowercase a, capital S, capital H, which is a word that you'll kind of see us use a fair bit around, say, 4 to September, because it's about the kinds of projects that we're fundraising for. Um, but I'm sure it makes absolutely no sense, which is why we've got Emily here, because she knows what she's talking about a lot more than me. Uh, and by the end of this episode of the podcast, you're also going to know what you're talking about. I might still not. We're going to see. We're going to find out. <laughs> so, Emily, what do you got for us? Tell us a bit about WASH. Yeah, well, we'll start off with like WASH as the acronym. So WASH is an acronym because in the humanitarian and development sector, we just love a good acronym. Everything's got an acronym, thanks probably to the United Nations or the UN for short. So WASH stands for Water and Sanitation Hygiene. So because it's all related to like water and access to water and being clean, WASH is just a really good acronym for that because like you think of water, you think of clean. Makes sense. Yeah. So each sort of aspect obviously has different ideas or outcomes or goals associated with it. So um, the W stands for water. So that's sort of looking at, you know, access to safe and clean water and making sure it's clean and you can get access to it. And it's not like having to go down to the river and, um, you know, get a bucket of water that you've got to carry back to your place. Because, you know, if you're in Sydney, you don't really want to be going down to the Parramatta River to get your water or Melbourne, the Yarra, or no, Brisbane, the brown the snake no, of the Brisbane don't River. Don't want to drink the Yarra. Yeah, um, because we know worldwide one in ten people don't have access to safe water. So that's why water's important. And also you need to, you know, to like drink it to be alive. Okay, yeah, well, there's that too. That's always helpful. Um I like being alive and I like that water keeps me alive. Then we have sanitation. So that's sort of looking at excretion management and ensuring, you know, waste management is contained and hygienic because um, a lot of people around the world don't even have access to um, toilets or latrines, which are kind of in-ground toilets, essentially. Yeah, and, like, sanitation is important because, you know, excretia and has lots of gross stuff in it. You are being so professional. You're talking about poop. I'm talking about poop. You're being, That's very, right. you're being very professional. I'm being very this professional. You, we just you just don't want to be. Emily, Emily's got the professional background. She's you know <laughs> come at this from a formal angle. I'm just sitting here going, the That's, poo goes in the toilet. The poo goes in the toilet because this is what we talk about. Um, but it's important. 
to make sure poo does it's not very, end it's up very in important yeah because that's where you that's where you want it to go yeah, yeah you want it you, to go in the toilet you, you don't, don't want, want it to be, go anywhere yeah, else end up in the water that you're drinking um no. because open defecation is still a thing in a lot of parts of the world um and that means your poo's going into all your other resources which well, is you don't know great. yeah exactly it's going anywhere yeah yeah um, and then the H is hygiene. So, you know, that's good old wash your hands for 20 seconds and sing happy birthday. Um, so, you know, doing that is good because that keeps germs away. Um, and it's sort of, you know, the health promotion of things. So hand washing, the importance of using toilets and also how you collect and transport water because you can have clean water, um, but unless you transport it correctly, it can be unclean. So, like, I did a short-term mission trip in East Timor a couple of years ago, and one of the things that we had to do was collect the water from the tank and then put it through a filtration system so then we could then put it in where we were drinking our water from. Yeah, But through that process, if you didn't clean, if you, like, left the lids off the containers of the water, it can get contaminated. And if you didn't or if you let the um, the spouts touch the ground, then that's contaminated, which then contaminates your drinking water, which means it sort of defeats the purpose of clean water in the first place. So it's really important that um, there's education around why and how to keep your water clean and what you're using it for and things like that. Can I get a can I get a definitive like is the WA for water and sanitation and hygiene, or is it water and sanitation and hygiene? Water um, and sanitation hygiene. And sanitation hygiene. But yep. not water and sanitation and hygiene because that would be wasa. Wasa. Yeah, wasa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I swear I've seen it I swear I've seen it both ways. Yeah. No, so it's water and sanitation hygiene. The and is sort of a bit arbitrary. It's just sort yeah. of there. It's got it's just got to it's, it's got to say wash. We got to make it sound. Oxford comma. Um, yes. Rude. <laughs> I know, right? The UN famous opponent of the Oxford comma. Yeah, well, I don't know about that for sure. I haven't actually <laughs> noticed that. Haven't taken notice of that. <laughs> but I know you're a good fan of the Oxford comma, Mitch, so I'm a massive fan of the Oxford comma. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's wash. That's so that's wash. what wash means. When we when we say wash, it's a catch-all for water and sanitation hygiene. And while our projects that we support for Safe Water September are sort of predominantly in the water category because it's all about safe water, with the um, addition of Bangladesh, which is more of a sanitation project, um, by nature, the virtue of these things, hygiene sort of ends up in there because it is levels of education about stuff, but they're not specifically hygiene projects. Um, but they sort of sit under that umbrella of wash. And it's all super connected. It's all it's all stuff that involves water. Yeah. It's all stuff that involves, you know, health and disease prevention and yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's like the nature of development in general. While we support maybe specific projects in an area like WASH or maybe it's a food food security project or it's a education project um, by nature of virtue of projects like this, it's impacting the well-being of communities. Like we know from Safe Water September that um, people's access to safe water can be limited um, and then that can then impact their health because they're not drinking clean water or cooking with clean water because it's from a um, 
a water source like a river or something like that, which is quite can be contaminated because it could be where bathing occurs or it could be um, where people wash their clothes or because of open defecation, um, excrement can end up in water sources and things like that. So it can be unclean or just naturally unclean because it's not a clean river or something like that. But also the other things that WASH impacts are issues around gender and gender equality because traditionally um, in most parts of the world, women and girls or children are the ones that go and do the water collection. So this means that um, girls don't have the opportunity necessarily to get to school um, because they've got to go and collect the water, which can be five to seven kilometres or more potentially return travel. Um, And if you know how long it takes to walk that far, that takes a fair bit of a chunk of your day, which means you can't necessarily be at school learning. Um, Mm. It means that you've got to be doing household chores and things like that. Um, So by providing access to water sources that are close to community, it means that girls can be back in school, which is awesome because we know that when girls and women are educated, um, it helps break the cycle of poverty because Mm. when women are educated, it means the families are more educated around different things as well because then there's a value on um, education and schooling for future generations, which can mean mum might have had five years of schooling Um, But then she sees the value in that. So then she wants her daughters and sons to go to school, which then means they might end up with eight or nine years of education, which then might provide other opportunities to do tertiary education and just help, which helps economy and helps um, sustainability within the family unit as well. um, And just providing those economic opportunities later in life as well. And I mean, that's only gender. There's gender and education, like food security, obviously having access to um, irrigation helps promote like good crops because we we even know here in Australia with the 2018-19 drought which was devastating for farmers Mm. um Mm. the impact of some good rain or some good amount of water can boost crops which then also helps with economy and all those things because it means you know they're earning a living and they can get back to school and they can earn money to pay for their children's ed- like pay for education as well which might yeah. not be free or yeah can like pay for school books yeah. or school uniforms or shoes yeah. or whatever the thing is that you need yeah even if school is free that comes with a whole bunch of extra yeah. costs attached and even in australia we see you know rain is not always super reliable mm. um you know, droughts, droughts happen. So having alternate methods of getting some water that you can use for your crops and your, your farm and watering mm. your animals and, you know, keeping everything, yeah, uh, growing a bit of food yourself, it, it contributes to your, your security. Food, yeah, food security is a really good phrase. I think it captures quite a bit, hey? Yes. And inherently, wash is connected to health. It's, we know that you know, from the facts that, you know, we've been in a global pandemic and we've been told to wash our hands Mm. because that's about our health and public health and even just things like using a toilet or for women and girls, it's sanitation project, um, sorry, sanitation projects like having access to um, pads and tampons or different things like that, which for menstrual um, health as well, because it means that, you know, girls can go to school or, well, in some places Mm. it's taboo for that kind of thing still. So having education around those health um, aspects is really important as well, which mm. water helps ac- 
access to all those sorts of things and washing and cleaning and, yeah, importance of hygiene. So, yeah, like that one's a bit of a, I guess, a bit of a no-brainer when it comes to um, the relationship there. So when did WASH become like a focus for international aid and development? How did we get to this point where we know it's such an important thing and we know it's worth investing in? What's led us here? Well, it's one of those things where from, I guess, the implementation of the, I always get this wrong, it's the UNDHR, so the United, no, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I always think of UN like United Nations Declaration, but it's not. It's the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. See, once again, a classic um, acronym for something because it's so long-wordy. Yes. <laughs> we love a good acronym. <laughs> um, so from the implementation of that in 1948, after the Second World War, a bunch of countries around the world came together and were like, we should change some things because we don't want this happening again, hence the Declaration of Human Rights. Um and there's a bunch of different things in there about, you know, freedom of expression, um, freedom of religion, um, right to access education, and the list goes on of the 20 uh, – oh, no, sorry, of the 30 articles within the UN – no, the UDHR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, every time. It always gets me. Always has. And I'm so used to writing assignments about it that I just – can write it, but I just can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> the the universal declaration, dec- oh. <laughs> the universal declaration of human rights doesn't come up all that much in conversation. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, so this is where like human rights became a bit of a thing, and I think we all sort of have a vague idea of you know we've got right to all those different things because I mean for us probably in our generation it seems like a no brainer like we should have access to education, we should have access to security, we should have access to property or the ability to own land, Um, the protection of our our nation, things like that. So, yeah, that's where these sort of things started coming from and the desire for development versus, like, colonisation, Um, (laughs) which, once again, contentious and all the stuff, like, you know, there are strengths and weaknesses and the way it's happened and it happens is shifting and changing, which is great. Um, And it's so great to be a part of that shift and change as well Um, from being something that's a sort of a colonial dependency thing to moving now more towards localization and it being about communities, community choice and um, more grassroots, I guess, community development, things like that. Um, But anyway, back to your actual question. (laughs) The, the UN, no, the UDHR, man, every time. Um, article number 25.1 says, everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of himself and his family, including food, clothing, housing, medical care, and necessary social services and the right to the security um, in the event of unemployment, sickness, disability, with um, widowhood, old age, and lack of livelihood in circumstances beyond his control. So that's kind of where, while WASH isn't mentioned, it sort of sits in that world of, it's about a right to having access to standard yeah. an adequate standard of living. Health. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, we take it for granted because we just can flick on a tap and there's water, but millions of people around the world don't have that available to them. So mm. sort of sits in that world of that kind of stuff and adequate standard of living. But in the 90s, 
there was discussion, I guess, around, you know, this idea of development and what it was and how we do it and what the things were that we wanted to do. And that's when the Millennium Development Goals sort of became a thing. So the MDGs. The MDGs. MDGs. So from there, um, in September 2000, leaders of 189 countries gathered at the UN headquarters um, and signed a historic Millennium Declaration. And this was a declaration where they committed to achieving a set of eight measurable goals that range from um, halving extreme poverty and hunger and promoting gender equality and reducing trial mortality by the target date in 2015. Bold. 15 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did not eradicate extreme poverty and hunger in 15 years. We didn't, but incredible, like a lot of progress has been made. So while, and once again, that's the argument of some of these things over time has been aspirational or practical. Yeah. Um, while they're very aspirational, it has actually worked to improve those targets. Mm. So um, while we haven't eradicated extreme poverty, say, it has decreased substantially since then. And underneath all of these goals, there are targets, specific targets. When it comes to WASH, we set under goal seven, and that's ensure envi- environmental sustainability, and there are a few different mm. targets under that. But it's target 7C. Um, by 2015, halve the proportion of people without sustainable access to safe drinking water and basic sanitation. And that was something that was met by 2015. So back in... Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So rather than... Yeah. Yeah, so that was halved in that period of time. So, like, while we may not have eradicated extreme poverty, incredible progress has been made um, in a lot of these areas. Same with child mortality, same with... um, you know, the combating of HIV, AIDS, malaria, and other diseases. Ooh, so that's the MDGs. So we're obviously past 2015. We are. While these targets all haven't 100% been met, obviously there's been amazing transformation and growth in these areas, which is excellent. Um, but we still haven't eradicated poverty. We still haven't got 100% access to clean, safe water, for example. So in 2015... Um, the United Nations ratified, well, actually, no, that's not the right word, set a new agenda for sustainable development. So this is where the language also shifts a bit. So this is now, this. so now from 2015, we bring in the sustainable development goals, SDG for short, because once again, a lovely acronym. We save so much time with our acronyms. Oh, so much time. So um, there are 17 goals within the SDGs with 169 targets. It's sort of broadening on what the MDGs did. I've got the I've got the list in front of me, and they're simultaneously like some some of these are seem bigger than the MDGs, mm. like in in terms of like more more absolute in some senses. So the the ones jumped out at me. So uh, MDG goal three is promote gender equality and empower women. Great, mm. fantastic goal. Um, equivalent goal in the SDGs, goal five is gender equality. Mm. So we, we've gone from promoting. We're just gonna, we're just doing it. It's just happening. That's a like these are these are big goals. Goal six, clean water and sanitation. Just end of end of sentence. Yeah, and I mean that's the overarching idea, but underneath that is a bunch of lots of targets. 
it fleshes it out. And the thing about the SDGs as well is there's more of um, a not just the practical needs of development, but looking at sustainability for the future as well. Mm, so it's yeah. the extrapolation of that. And you can see that through things like um, the management of water and the desire to have ecosystems be restored and, you know, where wastewater is being or where toxic chemicals are being dumped and all that kind of stuff. So um, there's also the desire for communities to be participating in these things as well. So it's not just, you know, people coming in saying we need to do this, we need to get rid of it, it's bad, but actually the desire to give the community agency as well in supporting and managing those systems. Uh, One of the things in this, it's which is what most of Safe Water September looks at, is, you know, billions of people having lack lack of access to safe drinking water, sanitation, hygiene. Mm. So we can see in 2020 that 2 billion people, which is 20 Six percent of the population lack safely managed drinking water. Yeah, wow. Um, Three point six billion people at forty six percent of the population lack safely managed sanitation, and then twenty nine percent of the population, two point three billion people, lack basic hygiene. That's just huge portions of our entire world are, are, are unable to wash their hands properly. Yeah, like don't don't yeah. have the resources. Yeah, that's huge is huge, but progress is still being made. Absolutely. Um, there are, um, you know, 2.3 billion people living in water-stressed countries. So that's where it's important, the benefit of the sustainability, sorry, the SDGs about, you know, looking at the sustainability of water use and how mm. it's being used and that sort of focus on climate um, mm. to be able to manage the water that we have available and how it's being managed and what's being done to manage it well, yeah. as well as just providing access to these critical resources because it's not just the resources we need, but it's the management of them too. Mm. And all of this stuff is a really important part of how we as a planet bounce back from COVID-19 and the global mm. pandemic and, and other diseases as well, as we've talked about already, like HIV, malaria, um, disease management has always been a part of sustainability, human rights mm. and, you know, and development um, but we're, you know, we're in a moment now where we need people to be able to wash their hands. That is a really mm. key way that we are going to be able to get back to some semblance of, of COVID normal. We're going to need to be able to do sanitation. We're going to need to be able to do hygiene. Um, and if there's 29% of the world is not able to wash their hands through no fault of their own, that's 29% of the world that is going to be super vulnerable to diseases like this. And that's the same thing with the sanitation as well. When you look at that, I mean, 46%, that's almost half the population. Yeah. It's not quite, but, you know, it's a it's a very big chunk of people who don't have access to that, which is something that can really easily and simply change the health outcomes of someone's life and that kind of thing. So. Something as simple as a latrine can really impact a community greatly. And just the, obviously it's more than one latrine and it's, there's lots of different things around installing them and doing things and making it all, you know, culturally appropriate and, you know, safe for women and girls and all that kind of stuff, which is all stuff that gets taken into consideration um, when implementing these kind of projects. Because then that's also that empowerment 
of women and girls and gender equality as well, um, which is really important in these spaces. So how does all this relate back to uh, our faith as Christian people following Jesus into the margins, uh, into vulnerable communities and caring for people? What's, what's the Bible got to say about all this? We just see time and time again that Jesus is about caring for the widow, the orphan, people on the fringes of society. And, um, I mean, a classic great example of that is Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, and this is a woman who, well, firstly, different culture who, so Jesus is Jewish, she's Samaritan. They're culturally not friends, right? Um, but he comes and she's gone to the well at the middle of the day, which is not a time you generally go and collect water because it's hot. Um, and it's, and that's because she's, she's on the margins of society, but Jesus comes and sits with her and asks for a drink. And from that, she then gives him a drink, but he says, come and I'll give you the living water. Um, and that's, I guess, like part of it, right? Like Jesus is the living water or in the, the spirit and all that kind of stuff. And we're called to be Christ-like. To be Christ-like is to care for people on the outside of society or the people that need help or need support. And and being doing something like Safe Water September is being part of the solution. We are raising some money and while and, you know, doesn't always feel like that as we're taking the challenge, but it's a pretty small sacrifice one month year to not have your creature comforts and i know i'm going to be probably not saying this in a few weeks time i will not have you denigrate my lack of caffeine in such a way how dare you i know i know it is the biggest sacrifice that i could make (laughs) i'm I'm sure it's not um (laughs) i'm sure there are bigger sacrifices you can make um but like it is it is challenging and that's good and but by by doing this little bit it then actually multiplies into something that does provide um, security for people who don't otherwise or otherwise would not have this security of safe water or of the access to sanitation projects like in Bangladesh with the um, latrines that get built. So for one month when we make a little sacrifice, the impact for other communities can be quite large Um, and it means girls are getting back to school women can well yeah girls can get back to school and um, you know people can have access to toilets which like once again we take that for granted but it, it doesn't take much for us to be able to support that work that's going on overseas with locals supporting locals so you know in Zimbabwe it's showers of blessing which is um Zimbabwean um, organisation supporting communities in Zimbabwe to install wells and and sorry boreholes and dig boreholes and install wells and then also the maintenance of that is local which is great that's what we want to see because you know development's shifting localization is important and that's really really good and that's that's a local expression of these kinds of goals that we're talking about a bore mm. accesses water that is you know, down deep underground in the aquifer. Uh, for Zimbabwe, there's just not that much water just like lying around. So you've got to, you've got to dig down deep. Whereas Vanuatu, the water solution there is much more about, well, there's plenty of water around. It's just not in the right spots or we can't store it safely. We can't store it um, 
we've got to keep it from getting contaminated, especially when there's volcanic activity. So the, our, our partner at uh, Churches of Christ Conference of Vanuatu um, do a lot more work around well recovery and, um, you know, putting covers over wells so that they get, they don't get contaminated and installing water tanks and things like that. So different approach because different contexts and different needs. And one of my favourite stories from Vanuatu when they were over, over in Vanuatu and they're like, there's one, they were being shown one of the um, water tanks that were installed. Um, it was, she's like, oh, but there are other community, like there are other families in the community that have access to their own water tanks. Why do we have one here? And the response was that it's here because we, this is a community water source. Like, so this is for the community. This is for the preschool. This is for the people who don't have access to their own um, water tanks in their own backyards because they can't afford it. Yeah. So like that is awesome because that's literally caring by having community spaces like that. That's literally caring for the, the widow, the orphan, people in the community who otherwise wouldn't have access to safe water. Um, And that's like the perfect example of that kind of thing. And this year we have a third partner that we're supporting for the first time. Um, What kind of work are they doing? We've recently become connected with the Community Advancement Forum in Bangladesh, which is a Bangladeshi NGO, which is great. And this is connected to the Bandaban Hills Church of Christ. And they have been a longstanding partner of International Church Partnership, so ICP, which is another part of um, Global Mission Partners. So the part of the project that Safe Water September support with this um, community project is about the impact of sanitation. So the plan is to, you know, install latrines in the community um, in the Bundaman Hills, which then decreases open defecation. And this is through the training and building and maintenance of latrines um, and as well as, you know, basic personal hygiene training programs. So like we've spoken about before, that's the hygiene aspect of things where you're teaching people it's bad to defecate in open places and this is why so here's like a option to do instead use the latrines because it contains the waste and this is based on a previous project that they've completed and they've designed their own latrines and built them as well um which is awesome because like once again a perfect example of localization this is a project that the community wanted to be a part of and we're able to support the community in them making choices so it's making they're making the choice to go this is what we want to be doing because this is important um and then we can help support that by fundraising and so that's a really great step forward with that project and just the relationship that's been built there over a a considerable period of time which is awesome too so if you want to find out a bit more about any of those partners there's a bit more information about how safe water september supports uh water and sanitation and hygiene projects on our website, safewatersepember.org.au. But I hope that's been a really helpful uh, sort of overview of the work that Safe Water September contributes to and a bit of background, a bit of how we got here um, and why it is such a vital area of development for um, us to be focusing on. 
so yeah, really encourage you to head to safewatersupptember.org.au, check out what's there, sign up and take the challenge. All you need to do for one month is give up your non-water drinks. So give up your coffee and your tea, your soft drinks, uh, your milkshakes, and just drink water for one month. Uh, like Emily was saying, it's it's a sacrifice. Uh, it's possibly, it's not the biggest sacrifice you can make, but it is a challenge. Uh, it's it's aptly named. Um and it has a real impact for people on the ground. So safewatersupptember.org.au is that URL again, and uh, all the links are in the show notes. Thanks heaps, Emily, for taking us through that bit of background for WASH and development and the MDGs and the SDGs and the UDHR. Um, see, I'm, I'm an expert already. I'm nailing You are it. an expert. <laughs> already better than me. Thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged, a podcast by Embody. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us so more people can find us. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join in the conversation right now in our Discord server at embody.org.au slash discord. Embody is a national community of young people passionate about mission locally, nationally, and globally. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at embodyau and visit our website at embody.org.au. All the links are in the show notes. Embody is part of the Global Mission Partners family. And we respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pay respects to elders past and present. We recognise their continuing connections to land, water and culture. Music in the show is by Josh Woodward and we'll catch you next time. And Thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged.